The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 21st chapter. After he appeared to his followers in Jerusalem, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he showed himself in this way. Gathered there together were Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we'll go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but, but, but that night they caught nothing. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach, but the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, have you no fish? You have no fish, have you? They answered him, No. He said to them, Cast the net to the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in, because there were so many fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on some clothes, for he was naked, and jumped into the sea. But the other disciples came into the boat, came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, only about a hundred yards off. When they had gone ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there, with fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And though there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared to ask him, Who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my lambs. A second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt because he had said to him the third time, Do you love me? And so he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and to go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. After he said this to him, after this, he said to him, follow me. The gospel of the Lord. May be seated, and the children may come forward for a children's sermon.
Good morning. How are you? Good. You did a very good job singing this morning. I was impressed. I usually am. Who all was here last week? Kind of, yes. Okay. What was different with my shoe last week when we began? Yes. It was untied, right? And what did we talk about? Oh, that's harder. Yes. Jesus. Jesus, exactly. And so if my shoe's untied, who has to tie it? I have to tie it. Why? Because I'm old and I know how. Same. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Same with a lot of you, right? You know how to tie your shoes. Now, what if you don't know how to tie your shoes? Who ties it for you? Yeah. Your parents, right? They, or you get Velcro shoes, right? So one of the two, somehow you get your shoes tied. But if you know how to tie your shoes, you have to do it yourself, right? And that's the same thing with Jesus. If you know Jesus and if you know what you're supposed to do, now you have to do it. Well, we kind of got a similar theme today. Yeah, we're going to talk about this coat, right? So this is my, one of my dress coats. I, I wear it when I'm outside and I have other coats on underneath it. Now, I can put this coat on myself, right? I, I know how to dress myself. And most of us do too. But have you ever seen somebody help someone else put a coat on? Yeah. Yes? Okay, who can help me put my coat on? All right. Uh, well, I have an acolyte. So Alyssa and Gabriel, help me put my coat on. There you go. Oh, okay. So what's he doing? What's he doing? Can everybody see? Step that way. There you go. Can everybody see? What's he doing? How is he holding the coat? He's holding it out, right? Yeah. All right. So what should I do? Put my arm through? Okay. Now what? Just wear it halfway? No. Other arm through. Okay. Very good. I'm all good to go, right? No. No? Now what? Zipper? Oh, it doesn't have a zipper. We're going to use buttons. There we go. We'll put a couple buttons on. Oh, I'm nice and warm, guys. I don't know about you. It's a nice coat. All right. Now, I probably won't wear this all service, but how many of you know how to put your coat on? All right. Most of us. A little bit. A little bit. But uh, do you still get help every once in a while with your coat? How's come? If the zipper gets stuck. Very good. What else? A giant snowsuit or snow pants or something. Yeah, those are hard to get in and out of. Yeah. If your coat's too tight, yep, they help you squeeze it in. What's up? Um, like, if, if, like, if you get your zipper Yeah, you can't get the zipper done, right? I'm glad this one doesn't have a zipper. That way I'm good. But... Even though we know how to dress ourselves, we still get help sometimes. And that is the exact same thing that we see in today's story. Do the disciples already know what they're supposed to be doing? Yeah, yeah I think they do. Like, they walked with Jesus for like three years, right? They, they know by now. They've done this before. But what does Jesus do? Yeah. Preach. Very good. He tells them, first of all, he shows them that they're loved, right? He makes them breakfast. That's one way to show people that you love them. Give them food, right? He also, with Peter three times, says, do you love me? And what does Peter answer? Yes. Yes, I love you, Jesus. And so every time Jesus says, feed my lambs, feed my, tend my flock, feed my sheep. 
And then, Jesus says one last commandment for John. What's he say? He says, follow me. Now, does that mean they're all supposed to get in a single file line behind Jesus and walk? No. What does follow me mean? It's follow. Do what Jesus did, right? Yeah, act like Jesus would act. So if Jesus saw someone who needed help, what would Jesus do? He'd help them, right? Now sometimes it's literally with a coat, but sometimes people just need help. Just like you need help sometimes. So what do you do with a person who's either sad or lonely or doesn't have any friends or just needs help? What do you do? Help them. So if I tell you Everybody look at my nose. I know I'm in a different spot, but everybody look at my nose. If I tell you to follow Jesus, what am I saying? Do what Jesus would have done. One more time. If I tell you to follow Jesus, what am I saying? Yep, do what Jesus would do. Exactly. All right. Can somebody help me take off my coat? All right, uh, Anthony and Ava, help me take off my coat. Because I can do it myself, but I need help. So there you go. All right, there's one sleeve. We're just going to pull in the sleeves, huh? Okay. There you go. There you go. And thank you for your help. Very good. Should we pray? Yes. Yes. I agree with the answer. Let us pray. God, we give you thanks. When we, when we need help, you've given us good families that help us, good friends that help us. When others need help, we pray that you, you help us help them. Give us hearts that love one another and give us hands and feet that are willing to do the work. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, got the snack basket here. There you go. Good to go. Need a hand? Oh, oh okay. One day. There you go, Phineas. Oh, thank you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Last week we talked about kind of the narrative arc that we're going to go through with all the texts in Easter. And that narrative arc is a little bit of seeing Jesus first on Easter Sunday at the, well, kind of not seeing Jesus in the tomb, right? Jesus isn't in the tomb. And then the second Sunday, we see Jesus twice. Later that evening, and then finally a week later. And he appears to the disciples, and he does two things very consistently. Peace be with you, and a teaching about forgiveness. If you forgive the sins of any, they're forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they're retained. And in that, in that Easter Sunday text, we decided, well, kind of, I decided, 
We're going to ask the question, what do we do with a resurrected Jesus? What do we do when we see Jesus repeatedly? Because the first time you see Jesus, it's exciting. It's amazing. It's kind of hard to understand and register. The second time you see resurrected Jesus, it's starting to sink in and become a reality. The third time you see resurrected Jesus here on the beach, you're asking yourself, okay, if this is the norm, what do I do? And in the first three Sundays of Easter, we deal with that question of what do we do with the resurrected Jesus? And in the next four Sundays of Easter, we'll talk about really quickly going through all of John's gospel. Reminding ourselves what it is in the last two words that Jesus says in this gospel to follow me. Follow Jesus. But today... Today we're having breakfast. Last week we talked about the two parts of our church service, our liturgy, that mirror what Jesus did in those initial moments after the resurrection with his disciples. It's peace and it's the forgiveness of sins. And the forgiveness of sins is really overt and the peace is something that we share and we do really, really well here at Trinity. Again, I think this text echoes something that we do in our service. I can best describe the experience of breakfast and of the three questions for Peter as communion. Now... Communion is a word that we use for a very specific meal, Holy Communion, in our church, right? It's where we see bread and we see wine and we hear the words of institution, Christ's body broken for you, Christ's blood shed for you, and in it we have sacrament. With the bread and the wine and the word, we have God come down and experienced in that moment. But communion is not called communion, the Eucharist. The thanksgiving is not called communion because it entails all of communion. Rather, it is called communion because of what it shows. In that moment, as we take time in a meal where we wouldn't normally, for each and every individual person to hear for you, this is the body of Christ broken for you. This is the blood of Christ shed for you. Each and every person hears it. We come into a place of dwelling with God. A place where God has come down, of where we are as we are, and we do in a holy ritual a very mundane thing, which is to eat. Simply to eat. I don't know about you, but I think you can tell a lot about your relationship with somebody and how you eat breakfast together. I had a friend. She was a seminarian friend. We studied uh, Hebrew a lot together, and I like Greek. Not so much a fan of Hebrew. It's not anything against the language. I'm just not great at it. But uh, we studied Hebrew together. We would watch TV as we studied. Maybe that's the reason I'm not good at it. But... <laughs> We talk and we roll, roll through a bunch of stuff. I happened to get her to run her first 5K, which was a great triumph of mine. She uh, 
oftentimes wound up being uh, wound up being a better football player than mine, which is a great downfall of mine. But we were good friends in seminary. Very outgoing, very personable. But before 9:30, really wasn't up for conversation. And so day after day, uh, whenever I would eat breakfast with her, I would sit there and not say anything. I'd eat a banana, I'd drink some coffee, she'd chew whatever she was chewing. We just sit. Now the first time, I had already heard from the rest of my friends, oh, she really doesn't like to eat, or she really doesn't like to talk that early in the morning, so I didn't say anything. And the second time, I didn't say anything. And the third time, I didn't say anything. And eventually, I thought, well, maybe I'm just being rude. But that fourth time, I didn't say anything. And by the end of the fourth breakfast we had together, she looked up and she said, Ben, why doesn't anybody else understand that we're not supposed to talk during breakfast? <laughs> And I turned to her and I said, I don't know. <laughs> People are weird, I guess. Now, it doesn't say if Jesus was a morning person or not. He did get up early, but he also went off by himself. So it could be that Jesus didn't like talking during the morning breakfast either. But what we do have in this story is a moment that I expect the disciples had experienced thousands of times before breakfast they had walked with Jesus for three years they had followed Jesus for three years they had ate breakfast with Jesus for three years and the first time you see the resurrected Christ it's amazing and the second time you see the resurrected Christ it comes a reality and the third time you see the resurrected Christ you do something normal like just eat breakfast And all of a sudden you realize that this Christ is the same one who may or may not have not wanted to talk before 9.30. This is the Christ I know. Communion is not communion because it's set apart and it's not communion because it's holy. Communion is a descriptor of what happens in this meal. Dwelling with God. And what's telling is that our communion, both in our church service and in the story that we see today, does not stop when the meal stops. Communion continues afterwards. Three times, Peter hears, Peter, do you love me? Now, many of us have seen that this is an echo of the three times that Jesus was denied by Peter right before his resurrection. And I imagine that it's very painful for Peter to have to go through this three times because everybody in the group knows what Peter did at this point. Everybody in the group, even though they scattered too, even though they were far off too, everybody in the group knows that Peter said, I don't know this man three times. And so the first time that, Pete, the first time that Jesus says, Simon Peter, do you love me? I imagine there's this tension that broke, right? Okay, fine, we'll talk about this. And Peter says, yes, Lord, I love you. And the second time that Jesus asked, Peter, do you love me? You just kind of entertain it. And the third time that Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? Your heart has to be breaking because obviously Jesus is digging at something and I thought we were okay. And man, that's got to rub raw. And so Peter was hurt. That Jesus would say three times, do you love me? But 
bringing Peter right to the point of exactly who he is. The one who denied Jesus three times. Is the same point that we're called to dwell with God. It's not just Sundays when we're doing all right in our pattern. It's not just days when we're really good at remembering what we should do. It's every day that we dwell with God. It's every moment that we dwell with God. We commune with God. Peter's given the instruction to feed the lambs, feed the flock, feed the sheep. Tend the flock, feed the sheep. I don't believe those are just instructions for Peter, I don't believe those are just instructions for the apostles. Those aren't just instructions for pastors in the apostolic succession. Those aren't just instructions for the pope or for priests or for bishops or for anything else. Those are instructions for each and every one of us. Just as we dwell and commune with God, we are to dwell and commune with one another. It is very important to note the qualification the attribute that Jesus places in front of Peter before this. It's not, Peter, do you know all of your Bible? Peter, did you memorize the Apostles' Creed? Peter, can you preach? Peter, can you teach? Peter, can you heal? Peter, do you tithe regularly? Peter, do you understand all that I've taught you before? Peter, do you know what you did wrong? Peter, have you confessed properly? Peter, have you been baptized? Peter, do you commune regularly? Peter, do you give once a, at least once a year so you're a good member in standing? No, none of it. It's Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord. <coughs> Feed my lambs. The question is the same for us. <coughs> Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And as we answer that, just as conflicted as Peter. Yes, of course. And at the same time, understanding the ways that our actions don't project that love. We are given a very grace-filled answer. Feed my flock and follow me. It is our duty and our joy that we should commune with God and one another. At times in a very holy place, and at times that place appears here, and at times it definitely appears out in the world. But as you see your brothers and sisters, as you see your fellow disciples of Christ, it's these three things that we've talked about over the last two Sundays that are the heartbeat of our life. It's first, peace among us. Peace be with you and also with you. It's the forgiveness of sins from God to us and to one another. And it's communing. Communing with God, dwelling with God in the heartbeat and rhythm of life that we share and also with one another.
that we might be one just as God and the Father are one. In these things, in this pattern, we walk with God. In this final moment of follow me, I pray that this week you might dwell with one another as best you know how. There might be peace in life for those who are worried. That there might be forgiveness in life for those who are torn. And that as Christ says, follow me, that the whole teaching of the gospel might echo in our hearts. From now until the Spirit meets us in Pentecost. God be with you and amen.